keep saying I'll start on Monday and Monday never comes. I go on a holiday soon and I really want a bigger bum and a smaller waist. Can you help? Look, if you want to come Jim, make sure you put the work in. Some want to get fit, some want to get slim. Some want to start competing, but enough of them just can't stop cheating. When their belly is full, they're still eating. Me, I practice what I'm teaching. They don't live what they're preaching. It's a What's up, FitFam? This is Giovanni of Geo's Logic, your host of Fitness Junkies. I hope this show meets you in good health and spirits, and if not, I hope it inspires you to do something about it. Wow. Um, I can't believe I'm finally sitting next to this gentleman over here. Um, it's been a while. We've been talking about this, I think, probably for over a year now, and uh, he's a legend in the fitness world, and... Uh, uh, you're about to go through a, a, a lot of stuff here, I bet. Um, it's going to be a really good show, so don't forget to like and share, write a review, um, let people know about Fitness Junkies if you like our content. What's up, Danny? Hey, glad to be here. <laughs> We've been talking about this for over a year. Yeah. You know, our mutual friend, Corey, yeah. over at his house, and I've been in Vegas maybe two years now and just trying to get acclimated to everything because I moved here from L.A. Yeah. And uh, it's, I actually enjoy it now. Okay. But, you know, you're one of the people I met. Corey's been a blessing to uh, to me as far as just meeting different people yeah. of, I think, you know. Quality people. Well, I think quality, yeah. yeah. You know, Corey's a good guy. Yeah. And uh, so it was very interesting to, to get to know everybody and what they do. Um, and I think it really helped, you know, speed up the process of doing it myself. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, usually I meet people through the entertainment business because I train, you know, celebrities and stuff out in L.A. Right. For the last 30 years. And it's usually there or the gym is kind of my social network. Right. And so coming out here, I mean, it was kind of cool. Thank God that the gym industry really exploded out here. Yeah. Because I would almost have to say this is kind of becoming the new mecca you know, it's definitely a, it's definitely in that zone now. Right. I mean, it's, it's it's I don't really feel other than the traffic and a little bit of hot weather for three months. <sighs> I still feel like I see everybody if I if not more from L.A. out here. <laughs> right, you know? right, right. So because the traffic's so bad, sometimes I get invited to things in L.A. and depending on the time, I'm like, dude, that'll take three hours You're just like, to nope. go there. <laughs> you know, so I, I literally will see more people um, from L.A. Here in Vegas, right? Because they come out here for events and stuff, to and they'll call me out. and say, "Hey, shoot over and hang out for a little bit." And I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, it'll be only takes 15 minutes to get there." Right. right. And I'm like, you know, okay. So right. I literally see them more often than when I'm in LA, which That's is kind of crazy. Yeah, uh, I'm from LA, so I definitely feel you, man. I I can't deal with that city anymore. It's too crowded. Yeah, too crowded. Traffic is ridiculous. It's 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 starting to get a little. Busy out here too, though I know it's just the two yeah. years. Well, I think it's just yeah. all this construction for F one yeah. and all. It's just every right. street is construction. Right. Fuck you. I know. <laughs> and then when you really, you know, are are a resident here, you kind of understand Vegas is not the strip. Right. Right. I mean, that's yeah. like the last option right, right. To, to go there stay away from the strip at all possible right. unless you're going to something yeah <laughs> exactly and yeah. then it makes it a little bit because all the construction but you know about it when i first got here it was nice because 
not too many places uh, were charging for the valet. So I could just shoot over to one place to another casino and, yeah. you know, hit a club or a pool party real quick. And now it's like 30, 40 bucks just to go check something out, you know, yeah. and it's like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that policy's smart. But anyway. I, I don't think it is. Um, everyone that sits in that chair has a fitness journey. And I like you to go back as far as you can as as a kid growing up, were you playing sports? How did you get into fitness and where you're at today? Well, when I was just a little fetus. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, for, for me, athletics, athletics um, was a means of, of pretty much having a father figure. My father worked for the CIA um, he died in, during the Vietnam War in service of our country. And so my mom raised all six of us um, by herself coming out here. And uh, well, I was a latchkey kid. You, I don't know if you're old enough to oh, know yeah, what a latchkey yeah, kid is. Yeah. Which, you know, you got a key, the, the mom or the parents even sometimes work. Yeah. And the kids get out of school, they take care of themselves. She cooks a bunch of food, you know, so we get home, unlock the door with the key. The key that's what they call them, latchkey. And you go and take care of yourself until your mom gets home, you know, yeah. eat and... Yeah. Do whatever, go play, you know. Were you yeah. the oldest? Or no, I was uh, in the middle. Okay. Right. And uh, so we kind of took care of ourselves, and uh, sports really helped. You know, she she was pleased to have us enroll in all the sports we wanted because that kind of kept us busy. Then, you know, we don't get in trouble and hang out with the wrong people mm -hmm. as much. And where was and, this? Uh, that was in Ventura County. Okay. That was just uh, north of Los Angeles yep. by the yep. coast. Yep. And uh, so was, that was a very interesting um, culture growing up in Ventura, where I grew up. It was predominantly um, farmland, and then you had the ocean, and then you had the mountains. All of those three, which kind of had the like the the farmland. There was predominantly um, migrant workers, and so a lot of the the kids I grew up with was you know. Um, first or second generation Hispanic. Mm -hmm. And so that was a lowrider culture. Okay. And then we were right by the beach, so that was a surf culture. Right. And then you had the, the hills up there, like ranches and stuff, and that was more of like uh, Hells Angels guys, motorcycle oh, guys wow. and stuff. <laughs> and it was so close together, we all went to school with each other, and it was kind of a very eclectic mix where... I think a lot of the style came from that environment. You know, Huntington Beach kind of picked up on it towards it. It was kind of like a lowrider, like uh, surf, you right. know, type of. Right. Uh, Back vibe. when it was Dogtown and, right. and that whole yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you'd kind of wear like the cutoff dickies and, yeah. and you know, yeah. just that kind of look. <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was cool to kind of get that kind of mixture of, of being a mixed race myself and, uh, and kind of blending in, you know. And uh, so getting back to the sports is I played a lot of sports. My brothers always wanted to play team sports. I wasn't a big fan of team sports. I just felt like, um, I just felt like you couldn't really decide your own destiny to a certain degree because you could be 
terrible, but your team can win, and so you have all these trophies, or vice versa. You could be awesome, but your team sucks, so you never win anything. Mm. And uh, I always like to really depend on myself. You know, that's why I was a gymnast, martial arts, boxing, kickboxing, and of course, you know, wrestling and bodybuilding. And uh, so they were all individual sports, mm. especially in, in, in high school. Because I, I didn't like, or even before that, you know, you'd be on a baseball team or a football team. And uh, the the kid that you were kind of coming against uh, for that same position, the father was the coach. Well, guess what? You're He's going to play over you. <laughs> so I, I didn't like those kind of decisions. It's right. like, you know, individual sports, you either go for the varsity or you don't, you know, based on if you could beat the person. Right. So I, I really like that. And, uh, and so for me, athleticism really made me, um, I guess, have someone or something to, to really try to be the best at, you know, like if it was a coach, I wanted to, you know, make sure the coach noticed me mm. and there was a, a, like a almost father son kind of, uh, relationship you know, because they would advise you and they would try to get you better a lot of times mentally and physically, you know, to improve. Right, right. And you wanted to shine, you know, right. um, for yourself and also for them. Right. Because they put so much time into you. So that is one of the things that kept me going in, in sports. Mm. Mm. And uh, I really feel like that helped me a lot as far as just wanting to be that same type of person, you know, being having that leadership. Mm. And uh, did you um, have a sport that you were like, this is my sport and I want to be a pro in this sport before bodybuilding? Um, I would have to say more of like combat sports, you mm. know, whether it was boxing, wrestling or kickboxing, you know, because I'm part Thai. So we grew up you know, with Muay Thai. Mm. We used to go to the Thai temples and they'd have all those kickboxing tournaments you know, since you're little kids, right. you know, five, six years old. Right. And uh, like real Muay Thai. Right. Like right. elbows and knees. Right, and, right. You know, and uh, and then I kind of grew up, you know, close to a Latin neighborhood, so there was boxing going on. Okay. So you learned to box, you know, a very young age also. And uh, and then when I got to, to high school, um, got into wrestling. Okay. And I was like, wow, this is really cool because or else you realize that this stuff works. Right. You know, because I've taken martial arts, like, you know, Taekwondo. My mom used to have a Thai restaurant, and an owner, a Korean guy, owned a, a, a Taekwondo studio. So he would come eat for free, and we'd go take free uh, Taekwondo lessons. Nice, nice. And, you know, you learn all the different katas, and the kicks and stuff were beautiful. Um, but I just felt like Muay Thai was much more practical if you were to scrap. Right. You know, there's no katas, there's no black belts or anything. So you were as good as you could beat someone. Right, right. And so we were beating all these, you know, kids with like black belts and stuff. And we we never tested for a belt or anything because right. that was just a, a way of getting some exercise. My mom would, you know, send us over there because it was free. Right. And uh, then I started realizing when I got to college, I mean, to high school, that uh, wrestling was very similar because it was practical. 
this stuff worked in real life. Right, right. You know, it wasn't about karate right. as a black belt and you still get your butt whooped. Right. It's like this stuff really works. And I was like, wow, you, we could learn this stuff for free. This actually makes you a good fighter. Right. You know? Right. And so I always, uh, I always had a, uh, a known kind of confidence, um, with, with the abilities, you know, before MMA came out. Mm. Cause that's what I was already doing. Right. Right. And, um, but even before then another individual sport, I guess you can call it a sport was breakdancing. Okay. Cause my generation is when it came out. Yeah. I was one of the first from the West coast cause it originated on the East coast. Yeah. And East coast, um, was the, was the B boys. Yeah. Um, Rocksteady crew. These are like old school names yeah, that no. originated and were not just originated, but they were, they were awesome, yeah. you know, from, from the East Coast. Oh, yeah. And then a few years later, it came to the West Coast, and we took it to a different level. We took it to more of a power dynamic moves, you know, almost like gymnastics and martial arts combined with that, that, that swag of the East Coast. Mm -hmm. But we took it to, you know, more aerial moves and stuff that they do today. Yeah. And uh, since I was a gymnast and martial arts and stuff, I, I picked that stuff up real quick. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was actually a, a, one of the best in the world at that time. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I had a manager. Yeah. Wow. I was on Do you have any videos of on, that? I'd have to ask my mom. That was VHS. Right? <laughs> That's when the cameras were like this big. <laughs> right, right. You know? No cell phones then. <laughs> no. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Man, and that's uh, cool. and so I had a manager. I was on Soul Train, American Bandstand. No way. I used to travel. I used to open with Run DMC. And what? Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um, Denise Williams. You know, let's yeah. hear it for the boys. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I helped choreograph the 1984 Olympic Grand Opening at the Coliseum. Wow. With 100 breakdancers and Denise Williams singing that song. Wow. Uh, the opening ceremony. That's so crazy. That, that everyone was, spinning on their heads. I was in LA then. Yeah, man. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. So, you know, just been performing at a high level on a lot of stuff I've, I've done. I've been pretty blessed, you know, to be utilizing my athleticism for that. Yeah. And that's why for me, the body was such an important part of life. You know, because it was something where I, it, when I shined, I could, I could be a leader to other people that were trying to do it. You know, like, uh, I made really good money when I was doing it because I remember I was you know, only 12 or 13 years old and I was, had a manager and I was on TV and everything. Right. I remember one time I rode my bike to the liquor store to play the video games, right? right? They had the big video games back then right. before Xbox and all that. Right. And, uh. And there was a little tiny gym right next door to the liquor store. And I would walk by in this glass, big glass um, window. You could see in. Half of it was the weight room. The other half was the aerobics room. And I would always see, like, the aerobics room, all these mirrors and hardwood floors. And no one was ever in it. And one time I walked by and I said, let me sneak in there. And I was checking out the floor it's and everything. Been... <laughs> I started breakdancing and everything. <laughs> About 45 minutes later, the owner came in and kicked me out. A couple days later, I came back to play video games at that liquor store. He comes over, calls me over, says, hey, I want to make you a proposition. I guess there was a bunch of kids in daycare in another section right. that were watching me. They all told their parents, and their parents right. asked if they gave breakdancing lessons to <laughs> And so the owner said, listen, you can use this place, and I'll even pay you for each kid that comes in. I literally had 30 or 40 kids taking breakdancing classes 
What? Yeah. How old were you then? I was like 12, 13 years old. (laughs) That's awesome. I had straight cash. That's awesome. And and that was my introductory to the gym. Because when Uh, I would finish, I would go to the bathroom, wash my hands and stuff, and I would come out, and instead of going through the the aerobics room area, I would go through the weight room area. Because I saw a lot of pretty women. You know, right. beautiful women right, right. in that area. So I wanted to go by and see what that was about. Especially right. back then, they used to wear those little thongs, right. you know, leg warmers. Right. And I was like, wow. Right. And I started getting a little muscles. Around 13 or so, you start, right. you know, hitting right. puberty kind right. of. And uh, so I would walk through and I'd kind of look around, you know, and uh, pick up some weights, seeing how these bigger guys were doing it. And I noticed these bodybuilders, you know, were training. And... Uh, and I was like, yeah, my shape's kind of like that, you mm-hmm. know? And I was always into Bruce Lee, too. And uh, so, and Bruce Lee used to lift weights. I used to read all his stuff. Yeah. You know, he was way ahead of his oh, time. Yeah. Oh, his yeah. training techniques and stuff with weight resistance training. Yeah. You know? And uh, so, I was shredded. I didn't have a lot of size, but I was always shredded. Mm-hmm. And just genetically. Mm-hmm. With good proportions. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I started kind of lifting the weights and stuff and... I remember a couple times the manager, not the owner, but the manager would say, hey, you're not old enough to come in here. You can't, you're going to get hurt. And so he would kick me out. Right. And every time he wasn't there, and the owner was always real busy, I'd go in there and start working out and right. talking to people. And right. they actually thought I had a membership. Right. Now. <laughs> and, uh, and so the cool thing is that was my introductory to the gym. And years later, when I wrestled in, in high school, I would go and use that gym to cut weight and train, you know, I'd go in their sauna, they had a sauna, you know, to cut weight and stuff mm-hmm. and, and work out there. And then when I was done, I'm um, in high school, wrestled in college, and then um, uh, I started bodybuilding. And that same gym, my very first show, sponsored me in my bodybuilding show. Oh, wow. They actually hosted the, the show too, Mr. Ventura County. Oh, wow. And I won the whole thing. Yeah, my when very was first this? show. When was your first show? 88? Okay. 1988. Okay. Yeah. And it was your yeah. first show and My you won the whole first thing. Show. And I, I remember because I had a wrestling background, I trained my, I overtrained. Right. And it's funny, the more learn, the more over time I learned about bodybuilding, the more I realized I was overtraining. And it, but it's kind of a shame because I love that discipline of having to really push yourself. And it was almost like, the more I learned, the lazier I got in bodybuilding, right. you know, because <laughs> right. I literally would do like my first few shows, like thousands of sit-ups, run sprints. I mean, I was like getting ready for a wrestling Super conditioned. Meet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, so. Back when size wasn't necessarily. No, not at all. Yeah. Symmetry was, was all it about was. symmetry. And that yeah. was one of the things during wrestling in, in high school, I was always already looking at the muscle fitness magazines. Yeah. And uh, they had a lot of smaller guys that were beating the big guys, you know. Right. So a guy named um, Muhammad Makawi, he was about my size, and he was beating Lee Haney. Right. And, you know, before Lee Haney uh, won the Olympia. And right. He would always come in second. Right. And he had beautiful proportions, and he was an amazing poser, still one of my favorite posers ever. Just like he owned that stage with just power and grace and just the drama of his face expressions and his hands and you just felt his posing routine like wow right to me that was almost like like barishnikov right right dancing right and uh 
So that really got me into the sport, and that was a big reason as far as the posing and stuff. You know, and years later, I started doing really well. I was one of the top athletes um, at the national level for bodybuilding. And luckily for me, I lived in Venice, too. I moved to Venice and uh, started, you know, training there and meeting everybody, all my idols, you know. They became my friends. Right. And, uh, and I didn't even have to be a pro yet. I was just a top amateur. But back then, top amateurs were getting in the magazines because they had the potential. Right. You know, and I was always in the magazines. And I remember one time uh, they called me and that I was known for that because I was always in shape and balanced, but I wasn't huge. So it was more marketable. Right. So a lot of these companies would see me and they would call me and ask to do photo shoot for them, for right. their products. So I had a lot of endorsements back then. Wow. You know, before social media. Right. And I remember Joe Weeder called me and they wanted me to do their home equipment. Be the model for for all the box covers and everything and ads in their magazine. Oh, wow. Because I was very balanced, you know, uh, marketable. They didn't want a bodybuilder because it was more for mainstream. Right. And so I had a contract for almost six years with Weeder, Joe Weeder, to to do all their home equipment. Wow. And so I was on six six or seven pages of of Muscle and Fitness and Flex magazines, um, every single issue with me in there. Over and oh, over wow. again. I must have yeah. seen you then because I was that's when oh, yeah. I was reading the magazines. <laughs> right. And that's when I got interested in in kind of like I would do a photo shoot at a, uh, one of their top photographers, Bob Gardner back then. He used to shoot at his house out in Beverly Hills and he had a studio back there and uh, I learned a lot from him with about lighting and everything, different oils not to use or to use, you know, how to get a pump or you and just even like certain oils. You know, um, it was very educational, mm. which helped me a lot too. Right, right. And uh, so I was very fortunate again to be at the right place, Venice Golds, where yeah. I trained. Yeah. If I would have been some kid in Iowa, the possibility of me getting all that would have been slim to none. Right, one hundred percent. Yeah. And so, luckily, I was always in shape and always there. People would call me up. They'd have. I got one of my biggest contracts with EAS because they had some guy. They set up a huge photo shoot for their brand that was just coming out with a creatine product. They were the first company to come out with creatine and they killed the market. I remember that. And uh, so they had a big photo shoot set up in a place in Malibu, you know, on the beach with all Monica Brandt and all these fitness girls <laughs> and everything. And uh, the guy they hired to be the main person in it came out of shape. Oh shit. They went through two people after him. They showed up, they were out of shape. They called me up. And I was like, I'm in shape. And I was wondering why the, the, the girl that was in charge of, you know, um, booking the athletes, she was like, are you really in shape? I mean, what? this is before the phone, so you couldn't take a picture and just send it to them, right? right, right, right. And so she was just like, really? I'm like, listen, I'm always, obviously that's one of the reasons you're calling me, right? Right. She's like, yeah. And so she said, you know, can you show up half an hour before like we want you to? Because we already went through a couple people, and, and we're already way behind because they said they were in shape and they weren't. And I was going, wow, really? Right. Why would you say you're in shape when you know you got to go there and right. not be in shape? Right, right, right. So I went there. It was a big driveway of this big mansion. And uh, halfway up, I see this whole f- film crew, literally with lights and everything, all these people standing around, <laughs> right. you know, uh, as some athletes. And... Uh, one girl stops me, like I didn't even get all the way up. She goes, hold on, stop. 
So I stopped my car. She goes, get out of the car. And I got in my car. She goes, are you wearing trunks under there? I said, yeah. She said, can you strip down real quick? And I'm thinking, I'm in the middle of the driveway. I didn't even make, this is how pissed off they were. I didn't even make it to the, to the, to the, Up you to know, the, to the house. Right, right. And so I stripped down. Everyone looks at me and they look at each other talking and they're like, okay, come on, let's, we got to do this. And I was like, well, wow. Wow. I guess they were, they're, you know, pretty disappointed in a few people. Right. I didn't right. even, I mean, if I would have been out of shape, I wouldn't even got to go halfway, you know, right. up to the house. Yeah, like, set my ass home. <laughs> wow, that's a great story. And that was uh, the owner, Bill Phillips. That was one of the guys that yeah. was there and everything. And that was when I did the f uh, photo shoot with Monica Brandt and yeah. Leanne Tweed and, and, and a bunch of these pe people. And uh, so that photo shoot went really well, you know. And I, I, I've, was already familiar with the camera and lighting and stuff, so I was very easy to work with. I even had some opinions on how we should stand and right. things like that, right. you know. And uh, so they were like, "Wow, you're just not an athlete. You actually are contributing to this photo shoot." Right. And I'm thinking in my head, "Yeah, I'm I'm fucking in it. Right. You know, I don't want to look stupid. <laughs> you tell me to do some dumb thing. I know it's right. not going to look good. Right. You know. And and so I always try to. Maybe it's just a little bit of, of vanity, but I try not to take any bad pictures, you know, especially back then, because a lot of times those are the ones I end up using. Right. And we're our worst critic, right, you know. Course. So for me, it was like if they have this idea, I'd make some excuse, you know, oh, no, I'm allergic and I can't get up to this tree. I'm allergic to that tree or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> and so um, that photo shoot ended up being, they used they they used it, in a lot of their ads, and it became one of the top-selling ads for them. Oh, wow. They called me and Monica Brandt up and offered us a huge contract oh, wow. with the supplement company. Oh, wow. Yeah, EAS? With EAS. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I was on all the 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 uh, the, the boxes in, the, in all the stores. Oh, wow. And, uh, and uh, they actually had big semi-trucks that delivered the product with, you know, the branding on it. Right. And it was me and Monica uh on, on the all the semi trucks. Wow, that's and cool. We did a, a cover because they had the magazine. Um, yeah, I remember the magazine. Uh, Muscle Media Two Thousand. Yeah. So I did a bunch of covers for them. I was in all the ads, literally. That was when Bill Phillips was trying the the industry itself, but he kind of helped lead that. Um, kind of the irony is how it's coming full circle again. Is a lot of athletes were getting like health issues and right. even dying. Right. right, because of the anabolics. Right, and that was when the trend started changing, and uh, so he made this offer to me. Say, hey, Danny, I don't know what you're doing, whatever it is. I want to offer you a big contract to take drug tests every two weeks, and we're going to post it in the magazines. And you only use our products, and if you want to compete, fine, but no gear. And I was like, eh, I'm only a middleweight. I just have to work a little harder. I, I think I can do this, you know. Wow! And now, uh, were you were you? I was ready to turn pro before. I was ready this? to use. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just nothing like today. Okay. I mean, if I had the knowledge of today, I probably wouldn't be healthy today. Right. If I had the knowledge of today back then. Right. It's just too much information. That 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 is not to get off subject, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah. But back then, it was just so basic. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even use any anti-estrogens or anything. Right. And I think that gave me a nicer, cleaner look. It didn't give me this hard, like, dried-out look. You know, it was more of just a, a a very healthy, full... You know, the difference between 
young youthful muscle and mature muscle is that fullness mm. you can see a lot of the older guys as they compete they can get harder more dense muscle because of the maturity but they get a little stringy mm. like you have younger physiques that have nice full muscle bellies you know not quite as hard mm. to me that is more of a pleasant look got it you know it's more of like the classic look got it and so that's always kind of what I was known for and my posing and stuff. So anyways, I took that contract, did really well, did all the drug tests. So I was literally the first real natty Nitty. person <laughs> before social media. You know? That's what I was known for. That's classic. And uh, I, I didn't get quite as hard. I actually ended up doing the USA when I was expected to already have won the next year or so because I was already placing in the top three. Mm-hmm. And getting in the magazines. And then when I did that, you know, a lot of people kind of counted me out. And I did the USA and I ended up taking third. Full natty. Wow. Yeah, just with the creatine and the products. Wow. As a matter of fact, I probably could have did better because I was taking so much damn creatine. I think it made me hold a lot of water, mm. you know, um, but it gave you a good pump. Right. And that right. was a little bit different type of creatine back then. It, it, a lot of people were, of course, they abuse everything. You know, right. people are having like kidney issues and stuff right. like that. They've changed the ingredients, um, the creatine now. It's a lot more healthy. Right. If some is good, more is better. Right. Especially with, with athletes. <laughs> right. And so I did that. And uh, um, I was so popular back then that I was going to all the expos. I was traveling all over the world, you know. And uh, so that was part of that career. But then the industry started changing it was about the really mass monsters. And they yeah. had supplement companies like Muscle Tech and stuff hiring, like giving contracts to these monsters. Right. And then I was kind of like, yo, I'm, I can't, I'm not a big guy. Right. You know what I mean? And so, and I could see just over the years that it just, it, you might improve your body, but it destroyed your looks. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It, it, you can guarantee it's like dog years. You go that hard in bodybuilding, <laughs> one year is five years like a dog, right? right or seven right, years. Right. You're going to start living dog years like, oof. Right, right. Yeah, so I wasn't really about that. And I already had a taste of of um, fame and, and, and the money, you know, right. doing what I did. Right. So why would I try to become an orange when I was an apple? Right. Yeah, it's no way. Right. And I saw that. And luckily, being famous in the industry, being at Gold's Venice, having all the camaraderies with Flex Wheeler, those are my peers, you know, my training partners. Right. Right. Or Mir, all the, I was in the golden age of that. Right. Lee Priest was my roommate. Wow. You know, so I picked him up from the airport when he first came here. And just so many people. I was really, really blessed to be at the right place at the right time and had all those opportunities. I was looking at your Instagram and I saw that recent expo you did, the Evo Expo, the Evo... Uh, oh, right, in San Jose. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, because I didn't really know your history. And I'm like, damn, he's on stage with the fucking legends. Like, right. you were like... Yeah. With like you know Michael Hearn and, and Flex. Flex and yeah. I was Shawnee. like wow yeah. this dude is and I just did a, the Anaheim Fit Expo maybe a month and a half ago and I was on a panel with Ronnie Coleman and Phil Heath and uh, 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 Chris Cormier and wow. Sean Ray yeah that's so that to me was like pretty cool right you know? the Mount and Rushmore it, yeah and it's really <laughs> interesting because you know. 
I haven't competed. I'm, I won the Olympia in the Classic. Right. So kind of talk about that. that. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of stopped the sport because the trend was getting like big mass monsters. Right. And I'm not going to sacrifice that. Right. You know, and I already had a taste of what I was already rewarded for what I was. Right. So I knew that was possible. Right. And that might have been different if I was chasing the, and whatever the trend of bodybuilding was, and I would have chased that because I never had that success of and respected for what I was, mm. I might have chased that. Mm. And so I was blessed not to have to have been tempted with that because that wasn't even tempting at all to me. I was like, I'm just going to have to do my thing. I'll use this symmetry, balance, and athleticism um, because I was still very athletic in the Hollywood game. If I would have been bigger and chased the size game and did the bodybuilding thing, there'd be no way these these celebrities would hire me because they don't want to be muscle-bound. Right. They have to look like action figures, like they have to move like it, <laughs> right. you know, and, and look good. Right. And, uh, and I was able to not only inspire them by how I look, but I would also train with them. Right. You know, so they could see that I was very athletic. And that inspired them too. Mm. And so I had that as an option um, and got paid well for it and mm -hmm. still was able to kind of keep in the limelight, mm. you know. Right. And um, so how did uh, when they you were the first classic, right? Winner. I did. When they came out with this division, well, because the trend was so big and I think it hurt bodybuilding, you know, um, and social media came around, you know, with the iPhones and everything. And uh, the, the, the younger generation was about like fit, like me. Right. Like they were about like the pool bodies, right? You know, and uh, so that became real popular. And the IFBB and PC, you know, with the federation um, that has the Olympia, they decided, hey, we're losing a lot of rev share to these young guys coming up, and that's the future. You know, it's it's become such a big, very niche sport of just the size game. Right. And we're losing these young people on social media. That's, that's what they're posting is these guys that look awesome. Right. You know? Right. And, uh, and so they started the men's physique division trying to correct. It was almost an overcorrection where they didn't want it to be bought. They wanted to be more of a pool body. Right. Um, and kind of far away from bodybuilding. So it was very, you know, um, you could tell the difference. Right. Where it wasn't like... You know, right? Well, was that People could relate not? to that. They body. could relate to it, and it was attainable at right. the time. Right. And so, and that was with the board shorts. Right. And it grew like hotcakes. I mean, it just took off. And this it, is only recent, right? This is the last ten, 10 years. years? Yeah, 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 ten years yeah. or so. Yeah. And uh, so that really did really well. And uh, but the problem was, it was such a separation. It wasn't even really bodybuilding because there's no posing. And you didn't show your legs. So it was kind of limited as far as being dynamic. Mm -hmm. And I remember a lot of people were coming to me and said, Danny, you could do well in this. You know, one of my boys, Stan McQuay, kind of was like, yeah, you know, that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. And I said, Stan, I retired and you kept going. You did well at the 212s, you know. Um, and that was even getting extreme for him. And I said, I'll think about doing the, the board shorts if you do it, you know, the, the men's physique. And uh, so he never did, right? right? And a couple years later, they came out with the classic division to meet the middle. Right. That was pretty much what 
what they sh- were trying to do at first. Right. And they overcorrected. They went, right. Right. And so they came out with the, the class, they call it classic. Right. Um, physique. You right. Know, it was classic bodybuilding. The, the bodies before the monster, the, the, right. the, the size monsters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with the small waist, right. the shoulders, the abs, right. the posing. They focus a lot on the posing. Right. You know, I see some really awesome guys now. It's just like unbelievable posing. It's getting better and better. And I just love it. Yeah. You know, I always comment. It's really cool to see some guys that are really excelling at it. And I'll make a little comment on their post. And they're so excited to have me. I was like, dude, dude you probably do better than me. You know? <laughs> right, it's right. Like, because they really like spend time and focus on it because that's part of the sport. Right. And they're understanding the craft and, the, and, and they appreciate the beauty of it. Right. You know? And that, for me, that is just awesome how it's coming full circle again. Right. And so when, when, when they came out with that division, the classic division, uh, Robin Chang, the promoter of the Olympia at the time, he used to be Flex Wheeler's manager, so I've known Robin way long before, 20 years before that. Mm-hmm. And he was in charge of promoting the Olympia, and they were going to have it in the Olympia, Mr. Olympia. And he came to me and said, Danny, this new division is coming out, and it's made for you, bro. Right. <laughs> and I was already, you know, 46 years old. Right. But I was still, you know... In shape. I, I, I was still training and eating and everything, the lifestyle. Right. So for me, just because I'm not competing, I always say life is the biggest stage. Yeah. So I'm always a bodybuilder. Yeah. You know, doing it the right way, keeping balance. Balance before size is what right. I say. So right. it says, oh, I, I could train you down. I could put 25 pounds on you. I said, yeah, but you got to tell me where it's going to go. Because <laughs> 25 pounds might ruin my whole body. Right. right. It might sound good, but... The human body and most people, luckily for me, I'm actually pretty genetically gifted where I grow pretty even. Mm. But most people, they don't grow even. Some people genetically, their legs will grow super fast. and Or their upper body will grow super fast and their legs don't. Or certain body parts, their chest will get huge, but their shoulders can't. Right. So because you don't grow evenly, that's why it takes a lot longer. Because your chest might be there a few years ahead of your shoulders. Right. So you're going to have to wait those few years before you're balanced and then you're spot on. Right. That's why it takes time. Right. You can try to force it, inject stuff in it and all that stuff, but that's not real. It's not real tissue. Yeah. You know, and you could tell by the quality. Yeah. It's like my boy, Sean Roden, bless his soul, passed away. Yeah. I mean, his legs just overpowered his upper body for years until it finally caught up. Until his upper body finally caught up, won the Olympia. Right. Right. Yeah. It took them years to to catch up, right? And you you you, it's so interesting the 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 building of a bodybuilder and learning your body and the timing of getting your body ready to be at its peak on stage yeah. is such an art. People don't even understand yeah. how hard it is. And then um, one of my past guests. Um, Ashley Catawaller, uh, mm-hmm. I always screw up her name. Anyway, she was like saying, like genetics, like just what you said, right. play a big role too. Because yeah. a lot of people, you just not built for this, right? You know, sorry, I know it's on your bucket list, but your genetics are just not built for this, right? So, well, genetics definitely gives you a head start, yeah. Um, 
But consistency over time is always the winner. Yeah. Because people with great genetics can do the wrong things over time and ruin their physiques. Right, right. I but I'm more more again. talking about some people is it easier you just mean? can't put on the muscle it like, you any not anybody can be a top bodybuilder meaning a lot you can uh, consistency and dedication and and all discipline all that can do a lot but you still have to have the ability to genetically build muscle in a certain way and it, it's like you either have it or you don't to get onto that elite level. Yes. At least that's, yes. I believe that. Well, to get on the elite level to a certain degree, there's been exceptions. Okay. You know, if you ask, uh, like my friend Rich Gaspari, who had won Mr. Olympia probably twice, I think he took a second to Lee Haney twice. Right. And he would say he was the probably the least um, genetically gifted athlete up there on stage. Right. Wide waist. You know, same thing with Jay. Right. But they were they worked hard. They wanted it. Right. And they were consistent. Right. They lived it. That's the thing a lot of times, like, you know, being in Cali, we used to get the bad rap of me, Flex Wheeler, Chris Cormier, and all these guys with great genetics living in Southern California. Right. Guys from the East Coast would come and train and hang out for a while. Totally different mindset. Those guys busted. Like they, they work their ass off. <laughs> they would look at us like talking in between sets right. and this you guys and are that. Soft. <laughs> and they're out there in the snow and, right. you know, we're, it, it was a different, a different work ethics for sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it, 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 it plays a big part in it for sure. For yeah. sure. In a yeah. lot of sports, Yeah. you know, yeah. like in MMA or boxing or some of these combat sports, I know especially in the lighter weights that you have to really be gifted cardiovascular. Right. Like the elite guys, you know, I had a friend in high school that dropped out. All he did was smoke weed and I was wrestling in high school. Right. And I took it seriously. I would run to the pier and, you know, really stay on the diet and everything. And this dude was just eating like a burrito and smoking weed. And he'd see me at the beach running. He goes, Oh, I'll go with you. I was like, I'm gonna go to the pier, bro. I, I mean, <laughs> you ride your bike. He goes, No, no, I'll run with you. He had a joint in his mouth. Just finished a burrito. That dude ran with me, ran back, was not even tired with a joint in his mouth. And I'm just going, Man, you are wasting your genetics. Right. He right. just genetically had cardiovascular. Right. Right. And so to me, that was like, you can get it to a certain degree, like improve on it for right, sure. Right. I right. Agree. But man, there's just some gifted people that, you know, like my boy TJ Dillenshaw, incredible genetics yeah. for it. Just yeah. car- mass cardio yeah. with explosive power, you know, still. Yeah. I love He's a lot my of times, fighter. One of my favorite fighters. Yeah. Sure. So TJ was helping him. He was trying to have a kid. You know, I was working with him on helping him with that. Okay. I, ho- I hooked him up with a, a gym at his house. Oh, nice. Called a, some, a, a friend of mine, uh, Mayhem Equipment. They just started their equipment line. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I told, I told the owner, Hey, you know, TJ's got, I don't know how many millions of followers. Right. I was like, why don't you throw some in his home gym he wants to do. Right. And I'll pick out, help pick out some of the equipment that he needs. Right. You know, cause I'll be working with him in there too. Mm-hmm. And we'll do some posts and stuff and, you know, give you guys some, some, uh, marketing, yeah. marketing. Yep. And so they filled his gym up with it. Nice. You know, and, nice. uh, and that's another thing I, 
I don't know how long this podcast is, but I also, <laughs> when I was doing the, uh, the equipment, you know, when I was younger with the weeder mm-hmm. contract, mm-hmm. you know, weeder equipment, if you know the stuff you'd buy at like big fives and stuff. Right. Crap. <laughs> we would use fake weights. Oh, right. Really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. This is before the social media guys did the fake weights. Right, right, right. And uh, so they would have fake 45 plates. They probably only weighed like 10 pounds. And there'd be this rickety bench that could barely support my body weight. Right, right. And they have these like 45 plates on there. Right. And I'd be benching it while the weight's shaking. And luckily it wasn't a lot of video, it was more stills. Uh-huh. And I would look at it. I'm like, gosh, they're making a lot of money off this. And I looked at it, I'm like, this could actually be improved by not even making the cost anymore, by just how they would weld certain metals at different angles. And I'm thinking, so I would take some of that and I would go do it because I grew up around lowriders and stuff. People worked on cars weld, so I learned right. how to weld and everything when I was right. younger. Right. And so I chopped a lot of stuff, put it together, and made it way better. And that's when I got interested in designing fitness equipment. Mm. And so I ended up... Uh, I owned gyms, and and when when I dropped off competing mm-hmm. and started training, you know, celebrities and stuff, mm-hmm. um, I had some time, and I would always be on the set and stuff, like trying to get a couple pieces of equipment, do a lot more than just one thing, mm-hmm. right? Because you're limited, you know, when you're on the set right. or on location, right? And so I got real creative, and I would take like machines apart and say, yeah, you could do this and that, you know do this different angle. So I would start taking them on my free time, chopping them up and making Frankensteins off of different parts. And it worked right. great. Then I would patent it because at the time I was training an attorney. Okay. And so, you know, that's a, the beauty about training high profile people. You, so many you people. do a lot of trades, yeah. you know, I always traded people like if they didn't have the, couldn't afford to pay me, then they had a trade that I needed. Right. Like an attorney or, or oral surgeon, whatever. Right, right. Plastic surgeon, so my girlfriends at the time can all get free boob jobs. Right. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. And right, uh, right. so and uh, so, uh, I would patent my stuff. Right. And then I remember I started calling some of these companies up. And luckily, they already knew who I was because I used to endorse a lot of companies. Mm-hmm. And, and I would get a meeting with like the owner right? Mm-hmm. Or the marketing guy. And the owner would be there because they were fans of mine. And, uh, and that's the cool thing about being in the industry so long. Some of these guys could just be sales guys and they know you. And y- years later, they can own a big company. Right. And you're always really cordial and you're always supportive of people no matter where they are because you don't know where they're going to end up. Right. And then the same thing, if you're on the top, Better be cool to people because you're not always going to be on top. Right. You're be on the bottom. Never know. It happens all the time to athletes and top actors. Yeah. 100%. You know? 100%. And it can go back up. Right. You know, my, right. one of my good friends, Mickey Rourke. You know, I remember I was, I used my credit card to help fix his Cadillac because he had no money. Yeah. You know? And uh, and then all of a sudden, came years back. later, came back with the wrestler. It's a big comeback. You yep. know, I helped him get ready for that role too. Did you? I remember his manager, David, would tell me, Danny. Please, can you not get him so big? You know, and I would. Well, I didn't would, he need to be half size for the wrestler? Well, this is before the role. Oh, okay, okay. He's like, he's not gonna get that much work. It's already hard enough. Got it. You know, because he's he's very opinionated, <laughs> and uh, and so you know, uh, he he would always tell me, "Can you guys just can you have him tone it down?" And I said, I would finally said, Dave. 
either he's going to be training with me or maybe at a nightclub doing things that will get him in this bad spotlight. Right. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, at least he's in the gym. Right. And he's being productive. Right. Mentally, too. Right. You know, healthy. Right. And I think maybe that next year he got the well, was the wrestler. He was already that size. Right. He was already doing a lot of stuff they wrote in the script was from him. You know, wow. the tanning and all, you right. know, the gear with all the different stuff. Right. And he knew that because that was what he was living. He was right. living the bodybuilding lifestyle. Wow. He wrote it into the script. And a lot of that script he helped with, um, that was kind of like, because he had a, a strange daughter, too, from a yoga instructor. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember what that story is about. No, I, don't remember. I know the yeah. wrestler story. That's what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. But I don't remember. I didn't remember in, in, the, in the news that he had a... Right. Right, got it. Wow. So that was from his own wow. personal life. Yeah. That's interesting. George, have you seen The Wrestler? No, I haven't. You got to watch it. It's a really, yeah. you know who Mickey Rourke is? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, it's a really good movie. Really well, he movie. almost won the Oscars for that. Yeah. He won the Golden Globes. And usually when you win the Golden Globes, you win the Oscar. Right. And he got beat out by Sean Penn, uh, Milk. <laughs> Where, what are you gonna where do? He, where he played a, uh, a gay, you know, the gay guy that, yeah. for the civil rights and right, stuff. Right. And I remember uh, Sean Penn actually, when Sean won the Oscars, he actually mentioned Mickey in it. Nice. Which was really cool. And then nice. they went out to lunch a couple weeks later. Um, and after that day at lunch, I remember Mickey because I used to read his scripts and stuff because I would pick him up and uh, drive him to the gym all the time. And uh, he would always talk about like now everything he wanted to do i need to find a gay part he was <laughs> right get an oscar because you know he that bothered him so much and he, and, and there's a true story he literally found a script of a true story of a gay rugby player okay in the uk and he went there and tried to get it financed right he really went through like learning rugby and everything right and, and met a lot of good people. He went to you know to the UK for all that, right? And uh, and then it just I Never guess the financing didn't right. happen. But right. that was very interesting. So how did you get involved? You know, because probably every trainer um, wants to be a trainer star, especially if you live in Cali or LA. You live near there, and you were there for a while. How did you? Who was your first celebrity client? And how did uh, Charlie how, Sheen? Oh wow! Yeah. What, how long ago? For what movie? It's 92 for Hot Shots Part 2. Okay. All right. If you look at that, he played, uh, it, it was a spoof off of Rambo. Right. He was right. shredded. Right. Shredded. Right. And uh, really good guy. He's lucky he has a good, strong family like that really cared about him, especially his father. Yeah. Because he went through some really dark times yeah. you know, with, with uh, substance abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then so... That was the word on the street. You were the guy if you want to get fit and like. Right. And you're always in shape too. Right. And, you know, I trained pro athletes, guys on the Dodgers, different, you know, NFL guys and stuff like that, not just celebrities. Right. Because in LA, they all network. Right. And if you're in shape, you're in shape. Right. And if you're always around these guys too, oh, it's your boy. And you start getting to know him, you know, and, uh, Invite him to Golds. Everyone wants to go to Golds. Right. So that was the easy one. Right. A lot of celebrities at Golds, yeah, too. Yeah, Yeah. especially back then. Yeah. Yeah. And so you invite them, and they see, like, the respect you have in there and stuff like that. So it really kind of helped with with selling yourself, too. And you build a relationship with them. Right. And every time I would go to their houses, you know, 
pro athletes' houses, guess what was always on their coffee table? Muscle and fitness. Right. Because that the bodybuilding was the epicenter. Right. No matter what sport you're in, we're the damn guinea pigs. Right. Right? Pretty much. Right. I mean, we kind of like pioneered everything, like experimenting on ourselves. Right. <laughs> right. 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 And uh, even my older brother was an athlete, triathlete, you know, ran track and stuff. And he's a biochemist, professor at college. And he was just amazed on the stuff I would tell him, like a long time ago about IGF growth hormone, it just everything. Right. And he only studied it on rats. Right. But here we're doing it on humans. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And he's like, yeah, that makes sense. Right. You know? And uh, I remember around 91 or two, we all went out to dinner with Milos because my girlfriend at the time was, real, was best friends with his, his girlfriend. And we would go out to dinner. And I invited my brother one time, and Milo's very smart, you know. He's from the from from Eastern Bloc, mm-hmm. and especially back then, after the Soviet Union, you know, um, fell mm-hmm. around '89. A lot of these guys were almost overeducated, and they were just driving taxi cabs. And he had PhDs driving taxi cabs and stuff. Right, right. So a lot of them came over here, and especially the bodybuilders were so informative about anabolics and everything. Mm-hmm. Milos was really smart. He used to talk to my brother and everything. And my brother's like, oh, wow. I didn't know bodybuilders were like that kind You're of schooled. <laughs> you know? Right. And we're like, well, we don't know. We find out because we, we, we tried on ourselves. <laughs> and we can see the next guy, like, what happens to him? And right. like, well, maybe I'll try it. Right. You know? So, you know, on all the coffee tables was muscle and fitness. And uh, then there's some hardcore magazines, you know, like Flex Magazine, Muscular Development. And um, so that's why they always look to the bodybuilders to to train them. And then they have other trainers for specific, you know, things they needed for their sport. Right, right. Um, So did you, um, like, there's always these, these stories, like, you know, how these actors get ready for movies and I'm sure you've done a lot of that. You talked about Charlie Sheen. Um, uh, I, a lot of people don't believe that um, or, or don't realize that they do a lot of the things bodybuilders do to yeah. get in shape. Whether they, it's, they live the bodybuild lifestyle. Right. It's, there's, there's no other way With around. supplements as well. Everything. They, they, they're, <laughs> they're a bodybuilder for a certain period of time to change their physiques like they want. Yeah. They talk about doing CrossFit or whatever. They're full shit. Right. I mean, it's, it's, they don't have time to learn a new sport or whatever. Right. They don't have time. Yeah. And they don't have, and they don't have the, the risk factor of trying to do something. See if it works. Right. Right. Like, you know, some, you know, you can, but you still got to be careful. You don't want to do a lot of like uh, cross training because so, they can't get hurt. Right. They can't take that risk. Right. So bodybuilding specifically, let's put some more caps on your shoulders. We're going to isolate it by doing these exercises on machines or free weights that's controlled. Right. And then you get lean and you do your diet, you do your cardio. Right. You know, just then the last, you know, I just had Michael Jai White. Yeah. Good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. He just texted me because he's in Atlanta right now. He had a few days of shirtless scenes literally on my text. He's like, okay, I need your help, bro. It was Sunday. He texted me. He's like, I'm shooting it on Thursday. I'm like, okay, we got time. So I had him do sodium load and then drop Mike his water. Mike asked you for help? Yeah. Mike is like the ultimate like right. body. In but the... that just shows you wow. that he's always willing to learn. Right, right. 
because love it and mike's you know and as we age we change yeah and what's helping me now kind of hurts to a little bit i felt in as far as competing because i know that the 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 industry wants to get new blood in there you know because it's all about making money and stuff right and i was fortunate enough when i when i did the classic um first olympia i won it at 47 years old yeah that's crazy and uh and that's the thing is I, I, I literally never worked that hard in my life because I knew I had a shot. When the promoter of Olympics says, you know. This is built for you. It was. <laughs> and he knows I was how lackadaisical I was. You know, I just enjoyed the lifestyle. and I right. wasn't known for training hard, you know, as far as like intense or whatever. Um, and this was even before cell phones. Right. Well, right. if I would have had a cell phone back then, I don't think I would have won any shows. Yeah. I mean distraction is tough man. <laughs> especially in hollywood yeah the best workouts i get these days is if my phone runs out of battery <laughs> or i leave it in the car or forget it well i've seen you at the gym you you don't mess yeah, around but, but i know myself but i also change my training style a lot as i get older right i, I really to. yeah i i really specifically know how much for each body part i need to push yeah. I, and also need to warm up yeah. And I know which body parts grow faster than others. For me, it's about staying balanced, mm. you know. Um, and so, and I can't risk getting injured. Right. Because one injury, I don't, I don't have that time anymore. Right. It'll set you back a right. lot in the healing process and stuff. What do you walk around at as far as your body fat percentage, if you know? like I've never, I, I shouldn't say never, but not at least when I'm getting ready for something, never had my body fat taken oh really yeah i've had opportunities you know when i'd be somewhere and they'd have like um like at my gym i used to own gyms uh-huh. and the, not to get off subject but that's when i started designing fitness quit and patenting it right um so i would a, was able to get uh meetings with owners of right. these equipment companies right and they actually thought when i came into the room that i wanted to maybe do something as far as endorsing their product line right you know, like a lot of them do nowadays right you know right and uh like, and then you. and then it's like well no i actually have some designs right and it was like they get confused <laughs> the, just the face of like huh? right right i said no i, I design equipment right i have patents you know patent right. pending patents on them and they'd be like oh yeah yeah and they they were confused and they're like well do you have any cad programs and computers or drawings of it i said no i actually finished one and they'd be like well, where is it and I, I always knew i got some really good advice from marketing people and stuff um that a lot of people if you're trying to sell something don't have your vision so i had to go and make the machines and i had to use the same gauge as they do the same bends the same sticker the same upholstery as what they have in right. their machines right so i made it look just like this i would even take their stickers and put it on the machine and I would bring it into the meeting room before before we started the meeting room. And I would point to it and I said, that's that's it right there. It's a lunge machine or an ab machine. Right. And they'd be like, they, and the owner would look and he'd look at the, the R&D guy. Right. You know, that's his? Like, that's, that's not one of ours? And they're like, no, we don't have that. And they would look at it and everything and they'd get on it and they were just blown away. Right. And that's how I was able to sell. The only time I didn't close a deal on one of my designs is when I half-assed it. Got it. When I thought, oh, I've 
licensed enough stuff to these companies where I have a good reputation now. Uh-huh. I even have my sticker on some of the um, product. Uh-huh. I would take uh, a couple points off of my royalties just to have my name on it to give me more credibility. Right. And uh, so I thought, okay, I'm already kind of known. So I could half-ass. I didn't even need to paint in. I just wanted to get the the movement in. Right. And then they could just do whatever they do. Right. Did not work. It just shows you, man. Can't be lazy. So you know? is there any piece of equipment that I or the viewers might recognize? Yeah, I get texts all the time. I was just on uh, someone's live stream. They were talking. Uh-huh. Uh, Clark Bartram. Oh, hey, yeah, Clark. Yeah. And just a few days ago. Uh-huh. I saw his little live feed, and I'd click on it, and i say, hey, what's up? And he always sees me. He goes, hey, Danny. Right. And I said, man, you're inspiring me. That just the information you're giving and everything, it says it makes me want to do more content, you know? And he's like, oh, yeah, you inspire me too, Danny. As a matter of fact, I was just in the gym yesterday, and I saw one of your machines with your logo on it. And he's like, I was so proud to know you when I saw that. I told the people I was with. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's cool. I wish I could record him saying that. Right, you know? right, right. Take a picture and send it next right. time. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, that's that's pretty cool. So I've I've done a lot in the industry with almost all the different, from supplement. I had my own supplement line. Um, I remember I was trying to help uh, when Gaspari um, got divorced with his wife, mm-hmm. his wife uh, had a non-compete, so she kind of helped me bring me on board. She wanted to start another company with, you know, her kind of being the, not the front person. Right. And so I learned a lot from her. We went to different manufacturers and everything. We actually were going to be partners with Jack Owack. Jack owns Bang. Oh, okay. Before Bang. Okay. Wow. And Jack had owned Redline, a company called Redline. Okay. And he had a manufacturing, brand new manufacturing facility in Florida. Beautiful, huge. But... He wasn't getting a lot of work manufacturing other people's products. But the main product that was keeping him afloat was his red line. It was an energy drink. I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the first before all the Jack 3D and all that stuff. Right? That shit got you going. Right. Some right. people even rumored it had Clembuta on it, which <laughs> knowing Jack, possibly. <laughs> right. And so, because uh, Jack comes from old school. Right. And uh, so, it was before he had Bang and his, and we, and I, I was going around with Liz, and she taught me a lot because she was in charge of Gaspari Nutrition when they were at the top, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And she was in charge of the worldwide marketing. So her Rolodex was strong. That's why they had a non-compete, mm. right? And so she kind of got me. She actually got uh, a couple of other people. Um, I remember I went with Kevin Lebroni because she was going to have Kevin do it with us too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I learned a lot because we went all over the place, literally. I went to Mexico City. I signed Rolandino. I got to train him. Rolandino, the soccer player. Oh wow! He's a legend. He's like he's responsible for uh, Messi. Right. Messi was on his team. His right. first as youngest professional soccer player right. on in Barcelona, I believe it was. Mm. I don't know if you follow soccer, but I didn't Not really follow closer. soccer. But so we went out to dinner and and got to work with uh, Rolandino. Him and his brother's brother um, Roberto has all the rights to. Sign everything. He, uh, Rodino doesn't do anything business wise. He trusts his brother, which is really amazing. And uh, there's so many stories about that. I have a million stories. No, I don't dude. get so sidetracked. No, I mean, we could talk forever here. I've been very, very fortunate, you know, and I learned a lot about this industry. But one thing that it eludes me people are like, you should be a multi, multi millionaire right now, Danny. All the people you know, and this and that. And I've tried my hand in different ventures too. 
Um, always made sure I paid my investors back. And I was actually really good at raising money. But the only missing ingredient for me was was learning how to pick the right people to be on my team. Mm. I, I think I think I didn't I think I had too much faith in them um, of letting them do what they do and uh, and maybe had too much of a friendship with them. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Oh yeah, for sure. And and uh, and and then I tried to wear too many hats. Mm. I learned a lot. But I learned. I learned too late. Right. Yeah. Right. I could have went to Stanford Business School, or you know. Right. Uh, it, it, just everything I learned of what not to do. So there's so much to talk to you about, but um, we don't have a lot of time left. But y- you've you've done a pivot again, and I now know. you're going somewhere else. Talk I about know. where you're headed now. Oh. <laughs> well, anyways, I, I when I when I did the equipment thing instead right. of taking money from these companies, I was like, well, I can actually. I was kind of wanting to start a. If I took money, I would have to invest it in something. Right. So I said, well, what can I invest in that could make me money? Like I wanted to put it in something like create a machine that would make me money, and I didn't have to be there. Right. And I'm thinking, well, instead of taking money, I don't know where to put it in. I didn't know about stocks or right. didn't have Bitcoin or anything back then. Right. And I and and the, one of the owners says, well, why don't you open a gym, Danny? We'll back you. We'll give you more equipment than you could buy with the money we give you. And that made a better deal for them. Right. And builds their brand, too. Right. With my name on it. Right. And so I took equipment, opened up gyms. Uh. I thought, okay, I'm going to create this machine, walk away, and it'll just make money on its own. But having brick-and-mortar facility, it's like having a stepchild where it's your it could run well, but it's always dragging you back in because there's always going to be issues. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was a lot of work. Got I it. learned a lot. I Got learned it. how to sell. I could sell anything. Right. Because my sales team would be there and I would watch some woman come in and I could tell how it's going by just how they're interacting and she's about to walk out. And I would walk up there, talk to her, show her the place. Right. And close her. Right. I still give commissions to my salespeople. Right. You know, and so it, I learned a lot it, even though i never became a chain um i i i realized that business taught me so much and, and and humbled me so much i literally was trying to save money so i could have more marketing money than hiring a plumber to come in because there's toilets were flooded right. so i'd go in there and i'd google shit and learn how to like snake stuff and i'd oh, be wow. in three in the morning like in the toilet with people's shit coming out and everything and, you know, <sighs> cleaning it up. And the next morning I'd be tired as hell, you know? Right. And I just realized I was sticking my head in the sand because as an athlete, I only have so much time. If I ever think I can do something in the industry again and get in really good shape, I was losing a lot of network too, being at that facility, mm-hmm. in those facilities, mm-hmm. you know? And then one gym would pay for the other one that wasn't doing well and, you know, it was it was always chasing your tail. And I told my wife one time, because I used to have these younger guys come in that competed and they were doing well on social media. And I looked at my wife one day and I'm like, I could beat these guys. I could easily beat these guys. You know, and I wanted to kind of compete again. And literally that same year is when Robin came up to me and told me that they were going to start this division. Closed that damn gym. I sold the equipment to my friend Angel Banos. Luckily, he opened a gym nearby. I sold him the equipment, my membership base. I had awesome terms on my lease on one of the places where I had a 10-year lease and I could actually sublet it. So where I leased that was like 
pennies on the dollar, man. Right. And at the time I, I wanted to sublet it, it was expensive. And a mattress, one of those big mattress chains, uh-huh. uh, I was able to, to get them to sublet. I was making more money not being there than being there. Right. So eventually I didn't want the liability, so I just, you know, kind of let them take over the whole thing. Right. And then I started competing and training again. And I ended up winning the Classic Olympia. Wow. So, and that's, that's where, you know, I, I started traveling all over the world and getting the notoriety again. And so interesting because it's almost like a second, like, life in my career. Right. Like, and it's, it's cool because people that were like 35 and, and younger didn't really know who I was so much. But, you know, 30, 35, they knew who I was for sure. Right, right. And then so by winning the classic division during social media and the new kind of bodybuilding. Right. Where, you know, it's the hottest. Now it's like one of the hottest um, divisions, right? right. The C-Bum, Chris Bumstead has, yeah, has yeah. a title I have, yeah, you know, yeah. and he's got like 20 million followers killing it. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I was pretty blessed to, to have that second wave, but I trained so hard for that show, getting back to that, that it it took about seven years, dog, dog years out of me, <laughs> oh, especially shit. being older, you right. know, right. but I want, I knew this was my opportunity and I couldn't get by on my genetics and also, I didn't know how long my genetics would last. Right. So I really did everything you're supposed to do. You like, did hard work. I at the end of my day, I literally was doing like you know some podcasts like uh, over the phone with some uh-huh. people, Zoom or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> and I would almost be like spacing out, almost like emotional, like talking and stuff. <laughs> right. Made for good content, <laughs> but I was like, ooh, I gotta chill. Because <laughs> I'm like starting to cry talking about like, you know, different things. Right. Because you're in such a elevated state, you know, when you're dieting that hard and training and that exhausted. And I love that because I did that in college wrestling. Like, I really like that discipline. Right. So that said, what we're talking about is what I'm doing next. Yes. So I decided to kind of chill on the competing, you know, I'll pursue some other things. Um, because I know I can't depend on that, right? Um, I do have a nursing background. I went to nursing school and took state boards. I don't okay. know. I didn't mention that. No, I didn't and I also know that. was a correction officer. I worked at a maximum security prison. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, you know, fit that into the my story. bodybuilding career just went along with that. Right. And um, so I knew what, you know, work life was about and, you know, nine to fives and stuff. And I, I knew I could always go back to that too, you know, but I had a taste of, of, fame and success and being around very successful people, I knew that this was a possibility and in, in my grasp. And so this is something that I earned that, you know, were good career jobs, right? Right. But I earned it and I did it for four, through, you know, four or five years for each one of them. And I can always go back to that. And it gave me a really, honestly, it made me grow up really fast. Being a nurse, working in a hospital, and I worked in a mental hospital. Oof. And I think that's like being a nurse in like Vietnam, right? Because it's it's very mentally um, exhausting too. Right. Talk about taking some years yeah. off your life. Right. Yeah. But it but it made me appreciate. And basically, those are the homeless people now. Right. Because back then they had I worked at a, a state hospital, and they had a lot of outpatient programs back then. I used to work a lot of overtime going to outpatient programs where people that got released, you know, from being mentally ill, out with their medications and stuff. And so they would have outpatient facilities all over mm-hmm. and I would work my overtime. So if they were out in the streets, you know, and they weren't feeling right, you know, emotionally or even their medication, they can come 
and go to those little outpatient clinics mm -hmm. and see like a, a social worker or, or a nurse that specializes in psychiatry like me mm -hmm. and talk to them. We talk about their meds, adjust it, give them some behavior modification tools so they can deal with what they're going through, depression or whatever. And they could be out in the streets like stabilized. Right. There is none of that now. Right. And then we wonder why there's homeless people. Right. That these are the people that I used to work with. Right. The homeless people. Yeah. It's terrible. And it's 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 tough, you know, and, and and honestly, it doesn't even really have anything to do with the economy. It really doesn't. You know, home prices are high and this and that. It, if the home prices were almost free, they would still be homeless in a tent. Right. Because it's mental illness and the mental illness are trying to they're they're trying to use other drugs to to heal themselves right. or deal with what they're going through. Right. Right. You know, and right. then you throw fentanyl in there and just yeah. everything else, you know. So I have a nursing psych background and also law enforcement background. So when I worked in the prison after nursing, I saw that part of society, you know, gangs. And I was in the gang unit, the tag team and everything. And I learned a lot and being young, too. And that's what, you know, actually being in the magazines when I was working in the prison at the time helped me really get a, a lot of camaraderie and respect because that's right. all they did. Right. It was the little guys that didn't work out or cared about their bodies. Those are the little suckers that walk around shanking people. Right, right. You know, you let the big... I used to actually have so many trophies as an amateur. Um, I would have my own bodybuilding and powerlifting competitions in the prison. On my off days, I'd go in there, and these guys would train for a month for it. And they were on the best behavior because they couldn't do it if they were in trouble. Right. I'd let them out of their cells to clean, sweep, or whatever. Right. And train. Right. Right. So they're getting ready for the show. They'd they'd have the magazines. I'd be in the magazines too. Right. You know, and uh, they can buy like protein powders and stuff like that from the commissaries. Uh -huh. And uh, and I would have my own shows for them. And I used to take my trophies, and I would take the plaque off, and I would give it to them, and they can keep it in their cells for you know a few hours or whatever. And they had visiting, they could give it to their family because they'll make knives or shit with the <laughs> so we can have them in there so so oh, that fine. really i saw just the power in that right of, like having some fame and 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 like i said mentorship mm. like what i got when i was younger mm. and so that really it made me realize like no matter where you are especially mental illness or even the law you could be on top. You could be in one of those places. You could be a homeless person. Easy. I mean, look at what's his name that just passed away, OD'd. Or, you know, he drowned in his yeah. bathtub. Yeah, The Matthew guy, he was yeah. he never had to work a day in his life. That show was so successful. Right. But he struggled with that. Yeah. I just saw an interview with him talking about how when he was a baby that his mother went to the doctor and they gave him some type of sleeping medication because he had problems with sleeping. And it was basically... An opiate, uh, or opiate, something? yeah, yeah, oh, and he's, he's actually blaming that in that interview. And I'm thinking, bro, you're not taking responsibility. You, he's literally blaming that on his mom, right? I'm thinking, you are not taking responsibility. Uh, and who are these people talking to? It, right. It, I've had opportunities. I even thought about. I probably probably should have instead of opening a gym. I had some friends that opened up those halfway houses, like mm. Malibu, where it's 30000 a month for celebrities to go. Right. And you have a horse ranch, and that would be part of your therapy. Right. And you, I've seen how those places are run, man. Ooh. One of them, I don't say any names, but one of the top ones, the owner was a freaking young dude that used to do a lot of blow. <laughs> right. And he owns one of these places. Right. And I'm right. just thinking, wow. Yeah. You know, it, it's such a shame 
where everything comes down to money, you know, and they, they want to be a penny wise and a dollar stupid. Right. Because this homeless thing needs to be really, because the police don't, they don't have any training for it. The right. police academy is six months. Right. They don't, there's so much you have to go over in the police academy. Six months to learn all the codes, to learn so much, driving, traffic stuff, you name it, you know, tactical stuff, shooting, six months. You think they're going to have any type of like mental health, like kind of social dealing with the people training? You know, that's where I really felt that I was strong at. Right. And I think that's a lot of times where a lot of the celebrities I train were bad boys of Hollywood that had some issues with that. And I always led them to fitness and they respected me for that. Mm. And a lot of them would probably be dead if it was like Jean-Claude Van Damme, good friend of mine. I trained him when at his prime. If it wasn't, if it, it was like a battle between substance abuse and partying for his demons or training. And when he trained, that dude went hard. Right. I mean, where he was almost like pale because wow. he just, because, you know, he's also bipolar. Oh, wow. And so you have to elevate the dopamines and all that stuff a certain way. And right. fitness did it or drugs did it. Right. You know, and, uh, so, and so I specialized. Moved you towards. It did. Now what you're doing now. Right. Um, yeah. So oh. I just got, I did it as a whim, right? I uh, have a lot of dead time, um, travel all over the world, you know, just went to Kazakhstan for fitness. They're starting fitness out there and classic physique's taken off. And, uh, and I started just really, you know, with the environment of political environment on social media all the time, you start seeing that. And I think I'm looking at that a lot more now than I'm looking at fitness stuff. For some reason, my brain's going towards that. It's probably not the healthiest thing, but it's really kind of stirring me up and have my opinions and stuff. And I started thinking, I'm at a point in my life now where my wife loves that because she's a performer, singer, songwriter. So one of the reasons we're out here is because she performs a lot in Vegas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, so I moved, you know, COVID made it much easier to move. We sold our place in Newport Beach. And so we moved here. We still haven't bought a place because I wasn't sure I was going to like it. Um, And uh, now I'm in this community. And I see the homeless and I see this kind of turning into a little L.A. a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, law enforcement. I don't know law enforcement guys. I train a lot of um, special ops guys like SEAL Team and, and Delta Force guys just mm-hmm. being on movie sets and getting to know them. Real ones, mm-hmm. you know, and seeing what they go through, the PTSD and everything like that. And that's kind of my specialty, you know, and fitness kind of helps help them. Right. A lot of them. Right. And so I started on a whim. I saw... In Vegas, PD, you know, had one, is is a really good law enforcement. It's like LAPD. Right. They used to have four, I think, four or five different uh, different police departments, sheriff departments. They combined it all into Metro PD. Okay. And so that kind of impressed me. And I started kind of looking into it, and I happened one day to fill out an application. You know? <laughs> Got accepted. And, well, I went through one step after the other. I didn't really take it serious. Right. It's about an eight-month process. Because you do the first month, you do the physical thing. I said, I want to challenge myself. I want to see these 20-year-olds and stuff. So I went out there, and I did the physical test, so you pass. And then when you pass that, you get to go to the next stage, like a month or so later, um, is each stage. And then they had the the written test, you know, to see how you comprehend things. Mm -hmm. A week later, they said, oh, you pass. 
go to the next thing. I had a psychological thing a month later or so. Went to that, talked to, uh, did a written test on psych, and then passed that. They said, okay, so the next couple of weeks you come and you sit with the psychologist. So it's different phases on it. And I was right. kind of not really caring. Like, literally, I told my wife, every like real job I ever went for, I got, right? Right. And I really could care less if I got it or not. I don't know if that helps, right. you know? <laughs> Probably um, does. Right. And, uh, and I was always a really good test taker. Like, sometimes... I don't know if I like the adrenaline, but I'll hold off on studying because I like to cram study. I think I retain it and can regurgitate it faster. Mm. I don't know why. And the 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 uh, urgency of it makes it stick in my brain harder. Because mm. I've tried studying long term, right, and it doesn't seem any better. Right. I don't know. It's <laughs> so crazy. Why waste it? Yeah. Well, to a certain degree, <laughs> right. And maybe you. I just like that, like everything else. Right. I like that kind of rush. Right. You know, they say people with ADD actually perform like that. Got so it. I'm sure I do. That's you could tell by the interview. I'm probably going fucking <laughs> so many different things. <laughs> right. You, know? you got a lot of life, uh, man. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, um, so I just got accepted to to go to the academy. I go in two weeks. Wow. Yeah. At, and you're going to do this. At 55, I would be 55 when the academy starts. And you're going to do this. this oh, is... yeah. I'll go through the academy. I'll pass it. And uh, I, I, I want to know my community. You know, I, I, I will commit to it, being a police officer, doing my best. And I want to see if somehow I can make a difference. I want to know the community. I, I want to really see if I can make any type of change mm. i don't know i i don't know what the 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 culture is like that's a big thing you know i'm not naive enough to think i'm gonna go and change the culture right but at least no one's gonna think when i come out of the academy and and i'm on patrol they're not gonna think i'm a rookie that's for sure right because you could see some of these young guys like in the early 20s they look like you should be in high school dude. <laughs> right. you know we're already right. been in law enforcement and working with mental ill people so i hopefully can be even more, if not the same, as a lot of OGs out there right. as far as what they deal with. Right. You know what I mean? And handle things too. Right. Because there's a lot of things I see just, just not only on social media, but in real life that I see just being around here and in LA. I'm just going, man, they could have avoided so much. Right. They're so quick to be that tactical response person rather than... And when I worked in the prison, I hated when I would have to basically arrest someone in prison because they were in a fight or shank someone or had drugs or whatever. Right. People don't realize when I bust you for that as a correction officer, right. we go to like a mini court in the prison. Oh. You're getting time added to your sentence. Oh. You can go in there for, for stealing a car for four years. You keep messing up with small stuff in there and I'll bust you for it. Literally in a couple of years, you could look at my name. I just added five years to your sentence off of your life. I hated that, dude. Right. I hated that. And if I right. could ever talk to them before and I suspected things, I'm like, do not let me catch you. I said, is it worth it to try to get this and that? Because I could see where they're at. I could see the type of person they are. And I would just say, please, think about it. You're young now. Some weren't even young. But they're just so used to getting time added to their sentence. Right. I was like, you know that... You're making me do this. It sounds cliche, but I don't like doing it, dude. Right. I'm not just like putting you back in your cell. We got to go to court date, and now I got to be there and testify to what you did 
and and they add i see how much time they add right there and that used to really just it would it would make me sad right you know so being a police officer is a big responsibility so you're not just like some gun-ho person that is is just gonna pull someone over or do or, or talk to someone engage with them in a way that is maybe not suited for the person's personality this is your job this is at least how i feel this is your job Take the time, take an extra 20 minutes, extra 30 minutes to talk to them, reason with them. You could probably have them get less charges just by the altercation that might happen. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't know, people don't care about that or they don't think about that, but I have that experience with that. Yeah. You know? And so this is, it's a big, this is people's lives you're dealing with. Yeah, I, 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 I see you as a new age uh, officer trainer is what it would seem like you'd have more effect. Well, I would on love people. to see that in the future. That's why yeah. I need to go through the process. Yeah, I need to see the culture. Yeah, I need to see the community. Yeah, and then obviously, for me, I like to be the best at whatever I try to do. Right, and I've very been very fortunate to be blessed with having to be around the best. Mm-hmm. So I'm very good at aligning myself with people that excel. And I feel like because of that energy, I attract people that excel Right. in my life. I really do. Right. You know, I, we used to joke, I could probably train Donald Trump if I really put my mind to it or right. Barack Obama, whatever it is. Right. You know, I really, because it used to be, what was that, six degrees of separation? Yeah. It's like three degrees of separation now. Right. It really is. Within social media. Yeah. 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 And just the, the, the closeness of the world. You know. Well, one question I have for you is who's going to play the actor that plays you in your life story? Because you have an amazing story, and I know you've only scratched the surface. Right. I'm not done yet. I know. I mean, right. but we, we got to go. Uh, We've been going person, for 90 minutes, but like. The person hasn't been born yet. Okay. He'll be genetically engineered. <laughs> <laughs> man, yeah. you've got so much stuff, man. I want to spend the rest of the day, like, we're gonna have to have you back because yeah. we have so much more to cover. I know we haven't even really right. talked about With, bodybuilding within the story. There's sub stories that are so interesting and entertaining and enlightening too. Right, and yeah. it's probably inspiring. I mean, I I know I I feel like you're gonna continue to do stuff and continue to excel and and be the best and and I think that affects people. You know, yeah, and and, and what I like a, a big part of what I like is is being able to excel at stuff and and attracting very successful people, high high goal people, mm-hmm. um, because I like to put people together because yes. I see potential in a lot of people. And as they get older, and I've always done this, even when I was younger, right. you know, I've had friends and even you know, like my wife would say, you should make a business card because you could be making money off putting people together, and doing deals and stuff because of you. Right. And I was like. That's then. Then it gets to be like not organic for me. Yeah, I want it to be organic. Right. You know, I want you guys to prosper because if you prosper and I could connected you, you will always take my call. And right. if there's some other person that can be helped, I know I can call this person. My Rolodex is strong, where they will help you because right. they know this is what I do. Right. But. Just don't blame me if shit goes south. <laughs> right, right, right. Don't come to me. Right, because you didn't put pay you guys me. together. <laughs> right. I love it. Because you made it. millions, I didn't ask for nothing. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, Danny, thank you so much. I appreciate this it. This is a great, 
conversation. Um, I like the sound. Yeah, you Did like you guys voice do sound, I sound more sexy on this thing. <laughs> yeah, the sexy filter that we add on to it. Geo <laughs> asked for it specifically. <laughs> yeah, right, Is there right. some way I can actually just sound like this? <laughs> All day. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, again, thank you so much. I got to have you back. I want to get into more stuff with you. We can't do it today, but um, thank you so much. Appreciate you. And uh, uh, I'm excited to see what happens with the police force. It's going to be right? interesting. It's going to be a whole other yeah, story. I, I, I want to see what their policy is because I would definitely like to post my journey. Right. You know, um, there's another guy. I believe he's a Navy SEAL, former uh-huh. Navy SEAL that's 60 years old. That's uh-huh. going to be in the academy too. Oh, wow. So wow. it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's you know? awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I would have did this earlier. I never knew there was no age limit as far as like uh, uh, how old you were. Because oh, wow. I know in the military, I believe it's 37. Okay. And I, in like FBI and law enforcement, it's around the same. Okay. But, but there is no discrimination, I guess, in their policy. Just, just you have to be 21. Right. But above that, as long as you can perform anything these young guys can. Wow. Which so far, that's not a problem. Right. That's right. why I'm running six miles a day. Nice. Because I don't want to be embarrassed. No. You know, and that's a whole nother like body change style. Cause that was not in my wheelbase, you know, ever since I wrestled before, you know, around that time, yeah. it's been just to try to put on size and quality. So right. cardio didn't come like that to me. Yeah. It was more a treadmill, easy pace, medium pace, yeah. burn the fat. But now this is like for cardiovascular and I kind of like it. I've never really felt like a, a runner's high. Right. Um, once I get over like my body being conditioned, cause at first I couldn't feel that runner's high cause I had so much pain mm-hmm. in my old ass. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you really feel like your age lifting weights, you feel a little bit, but you can ease into it. When it comes to the running, you start feeling stuff Yeah, like, man, where'd that neck thing come from? <laughs> oh, I remember those squats years ago. Right. You right. know, so that's a, actually a cool, another kind of transition of changing my body. I know I'm going to, my Legs felt like tree trunks of lactic acid for that much running. Right. So I'm going to be able to spare my upper body, train heavy kind of faster, but legs, they're going to have to shrink a little bit from all that running. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's cool, interesting. Man. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. 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 Well, Fit Fam, this was a good one. You need to share this with people that can be inspired by this guy doing excellence in his life and his next adventure. Um, So like, share, write a review, and until next time, FitFam, I'm out.